And, and so I'm excited about today. Uh, today is also an exciting day because at the end of the service, we're going to share some, some great news about some folks uh, in the life of our church. But uh, I don't know if you've ever um, had a problem. Have you ever had a problem? You ever had a problem that you created? Like you, you got a problem because you created it. Well, today we're going to look at a very familiar passage. Uh, if you grew up in church, uh, if you have kids or grandkids that watched Veggie Tales, uh, that cartoon, uh, you, you know this story. Uh, it's the story of Joshua uh, and the fall of Jericho. So Joshua chapter 6 is where we're going to be today. And, and so if you've got a Bible, you can turn there. Uh, we're going to uh, look at this passage. Uh, you know that uh, Israel uh, had been promised uh, the land of Canaan, the promised land. Uh, God gave that all the way back to Moses. Moses never got to see it, uh, but Joshua is taking the people to the promised land. And so here they are, but they have one giant problem. There's a big city standing in their way to actually inhabit the promised land. And that problem was created um, by God. God allowed the city of Jericho to be there. And the nation of Israel, because they were disobedient way back when, uh, didn't get to experience the land when they were supposed to. And so finally, here they are, and they run up on Jericho. Many believe the oldest walled city in history the oldest walled city ever, the first one. And so here it is. It still exists today. The ruins um, exist. <clears throat> but here, <clears throat> Joshua and the rest of the nation of Israel come upon this city. And you know the story, but we're going to read the first part of this passage uh, together uh, to be reminded uh, about what God uh, was going to do for the nation of Israel. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside. Why? Because of the people of Israel. Jericho was walled up, fortified, no one in or out because the people of Israel. It was their fault. Sometimes your problems are your fault. Because of Israel, none went out, none came in, and the Lord said to Joshua, see I have given Jericho into your hand. I'm not sure Joshua saw it, but God was helping him. With its king and mighty men of valor, you shall march around the city, all of the men of war going around the city once. Thus you shall do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns uh, before the ark. Uh, here's my illustration today. If you want to play this, come later and we'll laugh at you, okay? But something like this maybe is what these priests were carrying around playing. They were more skilled at it than I am, so I won't play it for you today, but here they are. So the priests are going to walk around playing the ram's horn before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets and when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up, everyone 
straight before him. This is an amazing story, um, in many ways an unbelievable story of miraculous work. And and I imagine if I was a a member of the nation of Israel in that day, and verses 6 through 11 tell us how Joshua went back to the people and basically explained just what God had told him, um, that this is what we're going to do. Here's the plan, people. Uh, The priests and the mighty men of war are going to walk around the city once a day, for six days. And then on that seventh day, hey, uh, we want everybody to be involved, kind of like our missional pathway. We need everybody involved. I need everybody involved, and we want everybody to walk around the city. Now, you got to be quiet, though. you got to be quiet as you're walking around. I don't know how that's possible. But they did it. Seven time, on the seventh time, everybody's going to play the trumpet, Play the ram's horn, give a great shout, and the walls will crumble, except for Rahab and her family, the the prostitute who helped the spies. I I, I wonder, what's the thing in not just your life, but the life of our church, The, the life of the people of God? that is a wall before us. We could probably all rattle off some things that, that, are, that are walls before us. And for most of us, our walls are not physical these days. It's not a physical city standing in front of us with a giant wall that we cannot conquer. They're, they're spiritual, they're personal. But what is it that the people of God need to go forward to accomplish, to see God do, and we've got walls in front of us. I want to encourage you today, church family, that we don't ever need to underestimate the promise of God. God had promised Joshua that he was going to get this city, that he was going to defeat the city. Even when the walls were shut up, everyone was inside, no one in or out. God said, see, look, it's in your hands. You've got it. So often we look at those obstacles in the life of the church, in the life of uh, our our spiritual growth, in in the life of our family, in in every area of our life. We look at walls, whether physical, spiritual, relational, and, and, and we think there's no way because we make God pretty small like us. And God was reminding Joshua that he is the one who gives victory. He is the one who brings down walls. He is the one. And Jericho, this city, is a significant city. It was the gateway for them to enter the promised land, the place that they were supposed to be, the place that God had given them, had shown them, this is where you're going. And even... In the past, there was 10 out of 12 people who went and looked at that land and said, no way, we're not getting it. Joshua is one of the two that said, let's go. Let's take it. And guess what? Joshua gets to experience the mighty power of God in that moment. God had given them a clear mission. Your mission 
nation of Israel, is to inhabit the promised land. That is your mission, and I've already given it to you. I've already given it to you. All you have to do is walk to it. You have to go, get there. And I use this amazing, historical, miraculous work as an analogy for where we are as a church. God has given us a clear mission. A a clear mission. In a community of southeast Houston that's walled itself up, that's closed its doors behind its nice houses, it's good cars, strong education, great jobs, and God's given us a mission to lead those folks, to lead ourselves, to experience the fullness of life in Christ. That for all the people who are hiding behind their success and their education and their abilities, Those are the walls that we face, that people have exchanged what it means to live a full life with Jesus Christ for what it means to live by the world's standards. That's our mission, is to help lead those people to experience the fullness of life, not in my achievements, not in my education, not in my great job with NASA or the school district or as an accountant. No, I not because my kids are awesome and amazing because they play three sports and seven instruments because that's kind of how it works around here. No, our mission is to pull those walls of fullness down and help them see what fullness is really about, about an abundant life in Jesus Christ. And those walls are high and they're strong And it's only through the power of God that we're going to see those walls come down. And as we do that, we we help them see what it means. Like, how how do you get there? How How do you understand full life in Christ? What does that mean? Well, first, you have to establish a relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to surrender yourself. To God, I, I love the passage just before this, chapter 5, when Joshua is standing and, and God, like he did to Moses, said, hey, uh, you're standing on holy ground. Let me remind you of that. This is holy ground you're standing on. Do you know that chair you're sitting on today where your feet are resting, that's holy ground. Holy ground, because the presence of the Lord is with us right here because we're gathered in his name. And so my first step to help people understand what it means to live a full life, a life different, if that is our mission as a people of God is to help other folks experience the fullness of life in Christ, I want them to take a first step of faith to put their hope in Jesus Christ alone and not what they can do or cannot do, how good they can be, how nice they are to others. No, by only surrendering their life to Jesus Christ and establishing a relationship with him so they can worship him, so they can know what it means to be on holy ground. And that's why we gather today. That's why we encourage you to to have worship as a lifestyle for who you are, that we don't just worship on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11. 
No, we worship every day because we communicate with God. We invest time with him. We read his word. We pray. We gather with others to, to encourage one another. We worship. But worship doesn't happen if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You cannot worship a holy God if you don't have a relationship with him. And that relationship only comes through Jesus Christ. And so we draw others to him. We lift his name up high so that we worship, so that they can worship. And then the great thing about our mission is we get to do it together. Like, you ever, like, been on a solo mission? Like, gone kayaking by yourself? Or gone on a big mountain hike by yourself, like the Appalachian Trail. A few of you crazy people have done that. It's exciting and adventurous, but it's so much more fun to do it with people who you love and appreciate and care for and who are different than you because then at some points you get to celebrate them. At other points you're like, Lord, why did you send them to me? That's the beauty of, of connecting to the people of God, that we're all different, and God brings us all together. Can you imagine these priests? I, I wonder if they fussed at each other when one of them got off tune. Because I'm not sure about you, but I'm not quite certain that we can play on tune this thing all the time. It might be impossible. But what, what a great privilege to connect with others. And Richie, you can throw that slide back up there and just leave it because uh, I'm going to be here for a little bit. Um, that we would connect with one another. What, what a great privilege that is to connect with each other. That's why you're in a Sunday school class. That's why we ask you to join the church so that you can use your gifts and your talents to see the gospel advanced. Because you may not know this, but we need you. And you may not know this, but you need us. And that's the beauty of the mission of God for our church. That we would help people understand what it means to have faith in Jesus Christ so that they can worship their creator. They can experience a full life that we can connect with one another. That we can grow together spiritually that's that invest where we, we talk about investment all the time and, and, and you need to invest in your retirement and all that kind of stuff, but it's more important to invest in your spiritual growth. We grow together. We encourage each other. We spur one another on in the faith, not just that so we can have more knowledge about, oh yeah, Joshua, Jericho is the oldest walled city ever. Like that's great for trivia, but really the heart of this passage is, you know what? I need to trust in an almighty God who can do the impossible. That's spiritual growth. That when I begin to believe that and trust in that and know that, then the sky's the limit for me in my faith and in my ability to connect with others. And so our mission is to lead people to experience the fullness of life in Christ to show them what it means to give their lives over to Jesus Christ, to experience real fullness, to love and connect with each other and lean on each other when it's tough and hard, and even when we're mad at each other, to still be able to sit next to each other and celebrate together and worship together, to grow spiritually and to serve and give our life away just like our Heavenly Father did when he gave himself for us 
on the cross to serve. I'm going to introduce to you at the end of our service new deacon candidates for our church. The word means servant, to serve. But it's not just set aside for for those men to serve. All of us should be servants. This is our mission. This is our mission. God had a mission for the nation of Israel, and that was to inhabit the promised land. They ignored it for a long time. They missed it for a long, long time. They were afraid of it for a long, long time. Until one young man said, let's go. Let me challenge you, church family, that we have a mission as a body of believers to go and to see those around us in our neighborhoods, at our workplaces, in our families, in our friend groups, to experience full life in Christ. And we do that by showing them what it means to worship Show them what authentic relationships really are about by connecting with each other, by growing spiritually so that we don't just have more information, but we can actually have life-transforming conversations with others and that we can serve and give our lives away. What a blessing that is to model ourselves after Jesus and trust that God is a God of promises. And I don't ever want to underestimate the promise of God that he would help us carry out a his mission for us as a church. And he's going to do, he does that for us in some very specific ways, just like he did in a very specific way for the nation of Israel. God was pretty specific about his instructions for that moment, for that time in their life when it came to Jericho. For the Israelites, their strategy, their, their opportunity in that moment was to do what? To go take Jericho. It had already been given to them. And so he had a very specific plan for them. To fulfill not their purpose, his purpose for them. Hey guys, uh, walk around the city once a day for six days. And on the seventh day, walk around six times. On the seventh time, everybody shout whenever we play the trumpets. I'd love to do that. Can we just walk along 518, like from Highway 35 uh, to 45? We just do that once a day for six days. And then the seventh day, get a bunch of trumpets and just, that, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? That's a long walk, though. But you're up for it. Because you don't underestimate the power of God, do you? No, you don't. You, God's going to get me through this. Maybe next year. We'll do that. But his... His plan for them in this moment was very specific. And God's plan for us in this season, the life of our church, is, is very specific. He had promised them the land of Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey. But He gave them some instructions. And He gives us instructions, His word. He shows us. And for them, it was on that seventh day when he gave that signal for everyone to shout at the sound of the trumpet. And when they did that, when they obeyed God, when they followed his command, what happened? 
He did it. He, he did it. Just as he had promised he would do. And so they got to watch as those walls fell. And, and, and the details of the passage are, are there kind of in 11 through 16, 17. And Rahab, the, the prostitute and her family who had helped the spies the previous time, she was saved. But I'm amazed at how specific God is in this passage. And how often we just sort of meander through life as a people individually in our own family lives and how sometimes even as a church we sort of meander through hoping for the best that people would just miraculously come to faith in Christ but we're not going to be very strategic about it we're just going to hope for the best and everybody live good and it'll be fine no I, I believe God gives us specific plans for specific seasons in the life of our church and he's done that for us with our vision statement to prepare and send disciple-making missionaries. Uh, that's not your seven or eight staff members. That's you and us who will strengthen families, who will love neighbors. And that's not just your next-door neighbor. That's everybody. And transform communities with the gospel. It's a very specific direction to be a disciple making missionary someone who is learning and growing oh by the way see back to that thing about invest who's learning and growing and becoming more like Jesus but I'm also making disciples I'm not just a disciple I'm making disciples I'm someone who's bringing others along with me in the faith and I'm encouraging them I'm I'm raising them up so that we can then go out in Friendswood Alvin Pearland League City Houston Dickinson, Texas City, wherever we live. And we can be a missionary in our neighborhood, in our school, in our workplace, among our friends. That's what we can be. But my fear sometimes I read passages like Joshua 6, and I, I know the backstory of the nation of Israel is that oftentimes, only the minority buy into it. See, two out of 12 earlier in the story. And how much more could be accomplished for the kingdom of God if everyone would walk around the city as a disciple-making missionary? What if everyone loved their neighbor? What if everyone invested in their family to raise their kids, their grandkids, their cousins, their brothers and sisters, their mom and dad, and raise them up to be strong, not just good people, but strong in the Lord. What would happen? I, I believe some great things can happen in the life of our church. If you and I would catch the power of God and say, you know what, God? You have created me to be a disciple-making missionary. I, I can love my neighbor. I, I can do that. Not, not because I'm eloquent and wonderful and um, can bake cookies and be nice. No, but because the, your power lives in me. 
And I trust that your power is greater than any other power. I believe that. If the Israelites didn't believe that, the walls of Jericho would not have fallen. Are we like the ten or are we like the two? To have the faith that, Lord, you have given us this. You have given us this vision. To be a disciple-making missionary, to love and transform our community like no other church, like no other people. That's what you've given us. You've called us to that, and that's who we are. And I believe with the help of some folks in our church over the last few years that, that we have even drilled that down even more specifically. Because I told you when I came here five and a half years ago that my one desire is that if this place, these people, this church ever decided to close our doors and move somewhere else, like to Angleton, for example, because my seminary roommate's from there, that the city leaders, the community leaders, the school district, they would all say, please do not leave because of the impact you've had in our community. That's what we need to have is community impact. We, we, we need to see our community like these walls of Jericho that need to come down. That's why we talk about being a disciple-making missionary all the time. I've said it a million times. You've probably heard it 10 times or 100. But I say it all the time because that's who we're called to be. That's our specific plan is to be a disciple-making missionary. That's why over the last year we've talked about the missional pathway to jump on board and find out, hey, God, how can you equip me? How can I zone in on my passion and the people that you've called me to do? How can I look at my life and see where you've led me so that I can reach more people? That's what we're doing it as a church next Saturday. And who needs to be there? Everyone. Thank you for the early answer. Um, everyone. Because how many people in the nation of Israel were needed to break down the wall of Jericho? Just the priests? Just the men of war? No, everyone was needed to walk around the city. Everyone. That's why we partner with community organizations. I'm grateful uh, some of you saw this week, I posted a photo from our Chamber of Commerce uh, and said, excited to be an ambassador. And all of you are like, congratulations, way to go. Well, I've actually been an ambassador for like 18 months now uh, to, to the city, but that's fine. It's, I appreciate all the... But do you know what? You, you, you don't even know that. But because of your faithfulness in giving six years ago, for sure, I know, when I came here, six years ago, you had a surplus in your budget. And with that surplus, you bought the two vans that we have. The big, we call it the minibus and a van. We, we bought those with a surplus. This weekend, our Chamber of Commerce used those to help with their annual gala to load in supplies and we could be a blessing to our city. I was able to do the invocation at this gala. We, we, we want to make an impact in our community and say, please, don't leave. 
What an opportunity that you have a blessing because of your faithfulness and giving, because you see the vision. That's, by the way, that's my missional pathway to connect with community and business leaders. That's kind of my deal uh, as a David the Christian, not David the pastor. Uh, that's my thing. But we want to make an impact in the community. We want to see our community transform with the gospel. And, and part of that is building those relationships with people beyond the walls of our church that we're rubbing shoulders with folks. We're, we're being that missionary out there in our community. And when you and I build those relationships, when we make those friendships, when we see people come to faith in Christ, you know what? I want them to worship with us. Not all of them will. Not all of them are going to be a part of First Baptist Friendswood, and that's okay. We have some great churches in our community, some wonderful churches that are doing a mighty, mighty things for the, the sake of the kingdom. But some of them are going to be here. And so I want a space for them when they get here. I, I want a place where you and I can connect so that when our neighbors, when our coworkers and our friends, they do arrive, we've got a space for them. That's why we've talked about building the commons. That's why we updated our worship center. We built the parking lot out front. That's the main reason we, one of the main reasons we bought the 209. If you don't know what the 209 is, it's that beautiful brown building uh, on the corner of Shadow Bend and 518. Um, we got plans for it. You're going to find out next week uh, uh, about it. But we want to create a space for our neighbors. That's why we're building the commons. And as we look to, to relaunch the Prepare the Way campaign, I, I'm going to share with you next week about what we're going to do with that financially and, and how we want to raise some additional funds so that we can accomplish all of those things. But I, I want to create a space for our neighbors. These last two years have been hard to be a neighbor. It's been challenging and difficult to be a neighbor. It's hard to be a family member in the last year, the last two years. But don't underestimate the power of God and the power of relationship. That's one of the greatest blessings of the Christian faith is to be in relationship with others. To show unconditional love for all those around us. And in verse 17 of this passage, it's, a, it's an interesting passage. I want to read it to you. Sorry, Richie, I'm skipping ahead and kind of. But it says, and the city, that's Jericho, and all within it shall be devoted to the Lord, and here's the bad part, for destruction. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and those in her house will be saved because they spared the messengers, they helped the messengers. I want to. Focus in on that phrase, devoted to the Lord for destruction. That word devoted to the Lord means to be set apart. Now, in God's timing and providence, the, the people of Jericho were set apart for destruction because of their rebellion, because they were enemies of God. They were set apart for destruction. We have the same calling today to those that we come in contact with to help them become set apart. Not for destruction. They're already headed to destruction. Those who are without Christ. Those who rebel against our Heavenly Father. Those who are enemies of God. They're already headed to destruction. But the great news today is that as we 
live out what it means to be a disciple-making missionary. As we create space for our neighbors, one of the beautiful things that happens is that we, we get to share with them. They don't have to live that way because of Jesus Christ. They don't have to live that. They can be set apart for God's glory. And we get to be ambassadors to reconcile them to God, to bring them hope, to share with them the message of Jesus Christ that he came perfect, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life without sin, a life that you and I cannot live. And he was sent to a cross wrongly and died to pay the penalty of our sin, not his sin, our sin. He paid that penalty through his death, through the shedding of his blood. And on the third day, he rose again, conquering sin and death. And the call is, as we are disciple-making missionaries, as we want to love on and create space for our neighbors, our task is to share that wonderful message. And then when you place your faith in him and him alone, God sets you apart for glory, for abundant life, for a full life, not destruction. And that's our task. And when you and I live out that task, we're going to need a lot more space, even in a pandemic. And so we want to create a space for our neighbors by building this commons out here, a space for you and I to connect with one another, to connect with those who are new to our church, to, to find a place of fellowship and, and, and encouragement that we can spur one another on so that we can show people, hey, this is where we are. We have a front door. Come on into our house. You're not a visitor. You're a guest. You're at home with us. We love you. But as I think about God's specific plan for us, just like he had a specific plan for the nation of Israel, I think about our community as a whole. And I know if you've driven down I-45 heading towards Galveston in the last um, 55 years, <laughs> or, or north towards Dallas uh, in that same time period, uh, there's been construction. As long as I've been alive, uh, there's been construction. And I've lived in Houston for a, a lot of years uh, in various spots. But when I go to Bucky's, everyone's favorite place, I'll never forget, Ben, I'm going to embarrass you for a second. When Ben and Catherine came to visit, I told him, hey, I'm going to take you to a convenience store. <laughs> but you, you're not going to believe it. it like, this is going to be the greatest thing in the world. I, I knew, like, he didn't believe me at all. Like, he, he, he it was, you know... You Texans is what he was thinking. I'm positive. Well, we get to Bucky's, and he's, we walk in. He's like, oh, wow. I won't tell you how much they spent uh, there. <laughs> but he was like, you were right. You were right. Uh, so when you drive to Bucky's, so many of you will go down 45 and take exit 17. Uh, I think that's still the exit number now. But the Holland Drive, what used to be the Holland Drive exit. But now, uh, from where I live um, in South Friendswood, uh, I go the back way. 
down 35 to 517. And I drive along 517. And every time I drive down 517, I pray. Not, not because it's a one-lane road and everyone drives kind of fast. <laughs> or maybe I drive fast. Um, but I pray because I'm thinking about that community. And you remember a few years ago, we're going to show it to you next week, uh, we did a little map of where all of us live. And there's a spot on, on that map where there are no, no dots of where we live. But that's mostly because nobody lives there. It's mostly farmland, uh, commercial nurseries, and that kind of thing. Until you get closer to I-45. And they're starting to build neighborhoods. Uh, connecting the, the backside of Mag Creek, the backside of Westover Park and Westwood. And they're going to connect uh, what is, you know, those roads that uh, intersect 518 all the way down to 517. And at some point, Highway 99 is going to come through there. And so I pray. Because I believe that as we look at God's specific plan for us, his vision for us over these next several years, that that's a place where you and I might have the opportunity to see a new work established. That we would be a part of planning a church and seeing those folks in that southeast corner of where Calder Road and 45 and 646 and 517 and that region where we see some new work. So I want to encourage you to think about big things. I, I doubt the nation of Israel, when they got to the foothills of Jericho, thought, hey, no problem, we got this. I doubt that was their feeling. And even as I share what I believe God is uh, calling us and several of our church members who were critically involved in all of this. Oh, yeah, let's just snap our fingers and we're going to make all this happen. No. But every time you're in your car and you don't have somebody you're witnessing to, you pray and say, Lord, what do you see for us? What is your vision for us? Where are we going? Because there's 170,000 people in our region who need Jesus. 170,000. Who need saving. Who need a full life. Who need to be loved. Who need to be transformed from the inside out through the power of Jesus Christ. And guess who God, in his great providence, sent to make that happen? There should be hands raised all over the room. He sent you and me and the folks that will be here in a couple of minutes at 11. He sent us. And so today, as you and I think about this amazing story in Joshua chapter 6, how God brought the walls down because of the faithful obedience of the nation of Israel. Let me encourage you to be faithfully obedient because God will give the victory.
He is the one who gives victory. We don't get it because we're smart and we plan and we're so intelligent and we've arranged things. No, we usually botch it. But God gives the victory. Because I know the walls that we face today are not walls of a city. They're spiritual walls. They're relational walls. But take comfort. God is with you. He's with you. He knows where you are. He wants you to know that he's calling you to go and to be that ambassador, that missionary. And we as a church family need to link arms to see our community transform with the gospel. And so let's trust him. And let's go. Will you pray with me?